0: Well, good morning, and uh, I hope that you guys all survived. I mean, it really does take a lot of courage to live in Pennsylvania these days. We have earthquakes and hurricanes all in one week. It's kind of a big deal for us, you know. I I was smiling this week as I was telling somebody we were joking about the fact that we got the, the earthquake and... Um, you know, we were, everybody was talking about, like, where were you? And what did the building do? And did you notice it? And I was like, yeah, the people in California are like, ooh. Cal, you know, they're like making fun of us when, like we do when they have a snowstorm. And we're like, ooh, you got an inch <laughs> of snow. So, yeah, anyway, we're not really talking about that this morning. We're talking about courage. And um, this whole series is about leaving a legacy. And that idea of when you look back over your shoulder at the end of life, you know, and you see the people around you, the people that are left in your wake, what will they remember? What will it be that they remember? Like, it's not going to be all the stuff that you did. It's going to be the kind of person that you were and the kind of person they became because of the kind of person you were. And so we're the talk, start, starting to talk today about courage and what it means to have courage. And when I was a kid, um, I grew up in this house and uh, it was like 250 years old. And how many of you lived, like, grew up in an old, old house? Anybody else? Good. So there's a couple other people. First, there's like one person who could identify with me. But so most of you, I need to explain to you what it means to grow up in a 250-year-old house. First of all, my room was on the third floor. Okay, and we heated the house with a fireplace and a coal stove. Okay, and so all the hot air had to rise, but it really didn't get past much of the second floor. So in the morning, you could see your breath, right? It was that cold up on the second floor in the winter. And um, when you went to bed, well, an old house that's like 250 years old, it just makes all these noises. And they're really funky noises, and they're a little creepy, and you get a little creeped out. So as a kid, there's some things I learned that you can count on, right? Like if you fall down and hurt yourself, you know, bang up your knee or something, your mom's going to be there with the Band-Aid and, you know, squirting back back teen on it and making you go, ah! She's going, it's okay, it's good for you. Your mom's going to do that kind of stuff, right? And, and you know, you, you, when you get home from school, your dog is going to love you and wag his tail and glad that you're home. And when you go to bed, if you leave a limb out over the bed, something will chomp it off. It will be gone by morning, okay? These are things that you can count on as a child. So when I would go up to my room, I, I, the, the light, of course, was across the, the, from the bed. The bed was over here, and I had one of those beds that was about this tall. So I would put my hand on the light, and you had to kind of stage yourself, right? Because you only had a split second to get into bed, and you had to pull the covers back so you could grab them and get them over you quickly, lest something chomp you in half. Okay, So I would hit the light, I'd dive into bed, I'd pull the covers over. But then while I was under the covers, I would realize, okay, they, maybe they can't see me. But I can't see them coming at all. So there's no, like, getting ready with my kung fu to, like, defend myself. Now, fortunately, I had Clem, okay? Clem is tougher than Clem looks, okay? You guys think that he's not tough, but I I just got to show you, this this pirate patch ain't decoration. He actually took one for the team, okay? So he's lost an eye in the battle. So I would actually put Clem outside the covers, and Clem would kind of just take one for the team. He was my source of courage, As a kid, you know, when you face all those dangerous things. And my son's also slept with him as a young man, and I have to be careful how I handle him or his whole insides will fall out. So um, it's courage, something that we all need. And when it's kids, we dive under the covers. We hide when we we don't like what's going to happen. And as adults, we do the same thing. We run and hide. When something is overwhelming, when something comes against us, we're like, I can't handle that. First temptation is just go run and hide. Maybe it'll pass by. It happened in the Garden of Eden, right? When Adam and Eve first sinned, they walked away from God. What'd they do? They hid. God's looking for me. I don't even want to face that. I don't, I don't know what to do. So today, where you are, you need to know that it's not just for the dark that courage is, that you need courage. It's not just for those places in your life when the bottom falls out, but that's when you know that you need it the most. It's for when God intersects, intersects with your life and you learn that there's a legacy to be left. And so today I want to I talk to you a little bit about courage. And I want to start with this great story of Joshua in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is riddled with these men of faith, kind of the highlight reel of their life, how these ordinary men had courage and ordinary women had courage to step out in faith and follow God. And they didn't. They weren't superheroes. They didn't have S's on their chests. They were people just like you and me. But they discovered how to live a life of courage. So I want to talk to you about that today. So if you open your outline today, we will get started in talking a little bit about Joshua's story and um, what happened in his life. Now, a little backstory: um, Joshua was this leader. He was handed off the leadership torch, right? It was his turn to lead the Israelites. Formerly, the Israelites have been led by Moses. And if you've ever seen Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments, you know a little bit of the story of the Israelites and how Moses led them out of Egypt, um, you know, cast down all these plagues in Egypt so that Egypt would let them go. They got to the Red Sea. Red, remember the, the scene in the, the Ten Commandments? He holds up his staff in the Red Sea. Have you guys ever seen the Ten Commandments? Anybody? Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I just want Easter time this coming year. You just make time in your schedule to see the Ten Commandments. It's just like tradition for me, and my wife was always like, why are you watching that again? Like, I, I watch it every year, honey. It's what I do. I watch the Ten Commandments for the scene when the waters go up in the Red Sea and they go through it, and I'm like, that is so cool. Like, I just want to be like, I wonder if you brought the like, fishing rod, just like, cast it in and reeled one right out of the wall of water. Anyway, um, that really has nothing to do with the story. Back to the story. So they they go through the Red Sea. They do all of these miraculous things. They get to the desert. Moses hits the rock. Water comes out of it. Basically, Joshua is following the footsteps of a guy who's just dripping with awesome sauce, right? Like, you're seeing one of those people in your life, like the person who's just like, that guy's incredible, right? This is Joshua. He's getting the torch handed off to him. And it's time for the Israelites to go and fulfill the promise that God promised them a land that was just for them a place that they could settle and they had been disobedient in the past they had wandered the desert and now they're standing on the edge of the jordan again ready to go in and follow joshua's lead so where does courage come from first courage comes from when we accept our assignment so let's just talk a little bit about joshua's accepting of his assignment we all have assignments in life you have them some of you have them, because your circumstances right You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're an employee, you're a boss. You have assignments in life. Things that, because of your circumstances, God has made you an assignment to you, and you have to decide, am I going to accept that assignment? Am I willing to accept that assignment? Sometimes you accept an assignment from God, though, because he wants to change the circumstances. He wants to change the world, and he's giving you an assignment to be part of it. And that was what happened with Joshua. It was time to make a change. And as he stood there, he realized that, he had stood in the same place on the river looking over into the land that God promised once before when everybody was afraid. When everybody said, we, will, we, we think it's better to choose common sense and cowardice over courage. And so when the leadership torch was passed, he was not going to choose that again. He was determined in his heart because he knew what it was like to be in the wilderness, the desert, for 40 years. It was not a lot of fun. Not a lot of good stuff going on. He was ready to go. So here's God. He's talking to Moses, Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid. How would you like that to be your title? So you followed Moses, this awesome guy, and your title is Moses' aid. Like nobody even knows your name, right? Like, oh, you're Moses' aid, just that guy that helps Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea, basically the the place that Israel is right now. I'm going to give you all that land. And then it goes on to say, and it's going to be a smooth journey. People are just going to flee from your presence. You'll have no problems at all. Is that what it says? Not exactly. It says no one will be able to stand against you. All the days of your life. That's different than it's going to be a smooth journey. There's not going to be any trouble. It's not the same thing at all. So I just want to make sure we have a good picture. God's calling Moses or calling Joshua out to accept this assignment. But Joshua was part of the team that went in originally and they got scared. Joshua didn't, but the rest of the team did. But he saw the giants, he saw the, the Egyptian forces there, he saw all these cities with fortified walls. He knew the overwhelming odds they faced. And he says, no one will be able to stand against you. He knew what that meant. And he says, then God goes on to say, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. God says, Moses, Joshua, listen, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to like you're just going to walk in and everybody's going to get out of your way. But I will be with you every moment. Every moment of that journey, you will not be alone. This is way bigger than Joshua. It is over his head, and he knows it. But he also knows, after 40, days, 40 years rather, of wandering in the desert, that God's best is always best. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're afraid, God's best is always best. And so Joshua gained courage, not from like being all this experience of battling people and everything else. He gained courage from saying yes from simply being willing to accept the assignment from God. That was his first step, just to say, God, I'm willing. Now, you might, you know, we might have this preconception that people who do that, well, they they know what they're doing or they have a secret, you know, when they peel back the the first layer of clothing, there is a big S on their chest and the cape comes out and they got it all together. That's not what Joshua is. It's not the kind of position that he's in. He doesn't have all the experience. He's just been wandering around. He's just been the second guy helping Moses out. And now he's about to lead them. So sometimes, if you're like me, you can feel unqualified, right? Like God gives you an assignment, and you feel unqualified. And when God gave me an assignment, said, hey, how about you help launch a campus daybreak? And I went... Are you, is there somebody else in the room? Are you supposed to be talking to somebody else? Like, what are you thinking? And I still say it to God sometimes. Like, what are you thinking? I, I can't possibly be the guy. I don't have all my junk together. I'm not, I'm not you know, I, I'm a word butcher. I'll make up words while I'm talking to people. And I just, you know, I'll just all, I'm not the guy. But God doesn't call people who are qualified. He qualifies the people he calls. He invests into them. He spends time with them. And if you'll allow God's Spirit to flow through you, then you'll have courage. And where does it start? It starts when you're willing. So what's your assignment? Like, what is it, the place that you're at right now, that God's making an assignment, and you're not sure you want to accept? It? I mean, over the summer God's spoken into my life, and I know he's got an assignment for me. And I've been resisting it over the summer. I've been, you know, like it takes time to walk through that and say, God, really? I got. I'm not quite there yet. No, I know I need to get my, my commitment is this week to get my journal out to so start walking down through it and to start spending time with him and have the hard conversations with God like, no, you're nuts, and have him say, no, I'm not nuts, and, you know, I, you're nuts, and let's, you know, let's work all this stuff out. I guess what I'm saying is don't be afraid to approach God. When you're willing, he says he will be with you. So even when you're afraid, even when it seems like I don't, I don't think he's got the right guy. If God's given you an assignment, he's given it to you for a reason. And that might be something like a parent or a spouse, or it might be a special assignment to change the world. Whatever it is, be willing. You don't have to be ready. You just have to be willing. And God will take it from there. There's a great movie that I got to see um, about, about three or four weeks ago. It's like a preview. You know, they invited every once in a while, There's privileges to being a pastor. So when a a movie that's based on, like, God stuff comes out, you get, like, tickets to say, hey, why don't you come watch this? Because then maybe other people will come watch it. So I got to go see this movie. It was called Courageous. And it's about um, four guys who are police officers who experience life in a way that it just totally transforms the way they face life. And they have to step up and have courage and be willing to face it. I just want you to watch the trailer because it is – it, it affected me in really deep ways to be able to watch this and say, that's the kind of dad, that's the kind of husband, that's the kind of person I want to be and face life. Let's watch it.
1: Sheriff's office, we have a warrant for your arrest. Back door, back door!
2: Deputy Thompson has now survived his rookie year. Guess that
1: means you can start using real bullets now. (laughs) When do you get married? Have some kids. You're gonna figure out real quick how much you don't know.
2: You missed Emily's piano recital. Can I talk to you? Can I suggest that you spend a little more time with him?
1: All he wants to do is play video games and go run five miles.
0: What are you doing home?
1: let me go. feel like it
0: messed up your childhood not having a dad? More than you know. Adam, I need you to come with
2: me right now.
1: Man, if it weren't for my family, I'd be in a tailspin right now. You do heal, but you're never the same. I want to know what God expects of me. Me down the road. I've been doing about half of what I should have been doing as a dad. You're being too hard on yourself. Resolution? Yeah. You've been a good enough father. I don't want to be a good enough
2: father. Can I say this too? I don't feel like I started well. I don't
1: want to finish well. You're going to do this, then do it right. Something like this needs ceremony. I feel like a rich man as your father. I want the very best for you. I promise to take care of you. So where are you, men of courage? I believe every father
2: should step up and answer the call. And to say, I will, I will.
0: watching the movie and just leaving the theater feeling inspired in a new way? Because it's the story of just regular guys who are willing to say yes. It's something that God called them out to, to an assignment that God made in their life. And it's a story that God wants to write in every one of your life. Every single one of you. He wants to write that story. He's inviting you through an assignment to join him on his mission and to be inspired and to be changed. And it all starts with willingness, just your willingness to say yes. Now, if if you've ever been on that journey with God, place where you've said yes to God, and you're willing, you know that the next thing that you start talking to God about is, okay, so what's next, right? Like, so what are the 10 steps that I need to do, God? Show me the plan. I want to know where to go from here. Because you feel like, well, I said yes, but I... It's kind of a, a mystery. And you, you, sometimes you go to God in those moments, and you're like, what do I do next? And you just hear this, shh, right? Like this, this uh, static, like, what? I don't know. And you're wondering, where do I go? What do I do? And the truth is, you know, God's often, I think, says, I'm not going to give you the 10 steps. Because if I gave you the 10 steps, you would say, no, I'm not doing that. That's nuts. I, that is crazy. And so God just says, you just say yes, and I will be with you. I will lead your way. And so that's where I want to go next is talk to you about what do I do? What is the next step? The next step is that I obey God's instructions. If I'm willing, then I can discover where to go next with, by obeying God's instructions. You know, in Joshua's story, he was going out. He was leading this, you know, this battle front to take the Israelites in, and they were going to find their land. They were going to fulfill God's promise. He was going to give them an inheritance. This is great right stuff. You read the story, and it's, it's pretty amazing. The book of Joshua is like this amazing story of time after time when God comes through. But what you get is the highlight reel. What you get is like all the stuff going on. You don't get, and then Joshua got up, and his wife was like, dude, where have you been? The kids are like hungry. I've been here all day. Come on. Like, you got to get the yard mowed. This is ridiculous. Come on, right? You don't get that stuff, but it's there. It happens. Where does a leader like Joshua find the courage to have a highlight reel every day, to face every day in a way that keeps them on the direction that you want to go? Because that's what we need. We need everyday courage. Now, here's one of my mistakes. I have for a long time felt like the default mode of my Christian life has been to, God gives you an assignment, and then everything else is based on my ability to get God's bidding done. Okay, God, let me go make the plan, figure it out, go what's next. Because the radio was, right? it was, it was silent, so I guess, all right, I'm just going to go figure it all out. But when I read the story of Joshua, I see something completely different. You see, in the story of Joshua, courage to follow was not based on Joshua's ability to get it done. It was based on his willingness to obey, his willingness to say yes and then be obedient in the daily. It's, it's that moment in Psalms where you read that God's word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. It's that idea of you're on the dark path. You know, you got the flashlight. What can you see? Can, you know, you shine the flashlight way off into the distance because you hear some creepy noise. You can't really see off into the distance. What can you see? What's right in front of you? What is the next step that I need to take, God? And that's what God's word is for. So we read in Joshua chapter one. It says, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Okay, let's just stop for a second. I want you to get the right picture of this word law, this this phrase, law that Moses, my servant, gave you. In in the Israelites' mind, in in the reader of this book, when they first wrote this and they came out and an Israelite would have read this, he would have thought something. He would have, in his mind, spun back when he's heard the law of Moses. He wouldn't have thought of just like instructions like we think of laws like do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that." He wouldn't have just thought of that this the Hebrew is a limited language, and so the words here actually refer to all the teachings of God, all the stories and legacy and and the laws and the commands of God, all of them into and at this point, they didn't have a nice leather bound Bible they when they read this, when they read the story of Joshua, they had scrolls, they had oral tradition, all the stories and teachings of God. And in this moment when they heard that phrase, their mind scrolled back to that moment. You know, the Charlton Heston scene, Moses is from the burning bush, he goes up on Sinai, he gets the Ten Commandments, God kind of writes them with like a big lightning bolt, and that kind of thing. Their mind would go to this moment where God made this covenant covenant of loyalty, this pledge to say, listen, Israel, you will be my witnesses. You will be my people. If you will love me, if you will proclaim me to be your God and be loyal to me, then you will be my people throughout all the land and I will use you in miraculous ways. So when they thought they heard that, I want you to press that into your mind. That moment when you hear all of Moses teachings, it wasn't just about words on a page, It was about God himself. It was about being loyal to God himself in that moment. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or the left. Why? So that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous And successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong, courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, right in the middle of this whole thing about, you know, wanting to be wanting to have success, wanting to be prosperous, right in the middle of, hey, I've given you an assignment and you're to go out and do it, is this whole wording around. You want to be successful. You want to be prosperous. You want to complete the mission I've given you? Then obey my instruction. Let it become part of your life. We need to get this idea in our head around this love covenant that God has made through his word with us. That every, throughout scripture, every promise comes with a premise. Every promise of scripture has a premise. In fact, when Christ came and he gave us the promise of eternal life, is it not based on a premise the premise is that you will commit to and accept him as forgiver and commit to his leadership and love him with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And if you'll do that, it's a, it's a free gift. But it comes like a marriage, right? You've got to say yes to him. You've got to say, yeah, I'm going to be in a relationship with you. I'm making a commitment to you, a promise with a premise. And so throughout Scripture, that's what you have. You have these promises with premises. And the problem is that I love the promises. I just don't always like the premises. I don't always like to pull that off. Sometimes I would just rather have a heavenly vending machine, you know, like E7, good marriage. Thanks. Oh, that's fantastic. Along with my wife did. That's awesome. You know, H9, my middle schools are quiet for a whole day. Like that would be fantastic. Like they lose their voices. Thanks, God. That's great. You know, this is, this is the kind of thing that we want to do in our lives, and, but God doesn't, God doesn't want it to be a vending machine. God wants holiness from us. He wants relationship with us because these are the things that are best for us. These are the things that will make us prosperous and enjoy life to the very fullest, to have abundant life. When I was a kid, my dad used to give me instructions. And um, I, I'm, if you haven't figured out like, with a tangent, sometimes I tell, like, I, oh, look, a bird. Like, I can get distracted, right? So he would give me these assignments, He'd be working together. He'd say, go get me such and such a tool out of the shed. And I would go over to get a tool out of the shed. And there was just stuff that was interesting along the way. And you'd go in the shed, and there's just all this stuff in there. And it's really cool. And you got to turn stuff on and check in other cupboards. And pretty soon, I'd hear my dad yelling, like, where are you? Get back here with the tool. And um, I think it's funny because now my wife has given me sons just like that. And so it's character building. Um, So I feel for my dad. And yet, I learned a lesson out of that. And here's the lesson. If I don't listen to what God says, if I don't hear it, if I just walk away from it like I did as a kid and forget and kind of go off in life and get lost, I dishonor Him. I'm really saying, you know, God, I want your stuff, but I don't really want you. I just, I just want to have your stuff. And the Bible studies have shown over and over, you know, they've done studies of over hundreds of thousands of people and asked them. What is the most influential part of your spiritual growth? What helps you connect with God and live a totally different life? And you know what people say over and over and over again? You know what they rank number one? It's not a good preacher in their life. It's not the great singing. It's not that they serve, although all those things contribute to their life. It's spending time in God's Word. The amount of time they spend in God's Word directly correlates to the life change that they experience. This is not just a book with pages and black and white text on it. This is the living word of God. John 1 says it's Jesus himself incarnate, his message to us. We discover in the moments in God's word when we settle ourselves down and we hear his voice. It says in John 14 that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And where is it found right here in Jesus' words? His life to us his illumination of us, God's revelation to you of who he is and how he intersects in your life. and That's what he wants you to have. That is his very biggest gift to us. And that's why in the scripture in Joshua, he, God repeats it over and over. You want success? You want to fulfill your assignment? You want to go for it? Then obey it. Then meditate on it. Then recite it over and over and over again and do it in your life and carry it out with you and spend every moment soaking in my words because they are life for you, and in them you discover me. We must soak in all of what God says because by doing so, we have a preference for God's ways above our own, and that is not our default mode. Our default mode is to prefer our own. So when you soak in God's word, you begin to prefer his ways over yours. You begin to understand and know him fully. And that's what God wants for every one of us. So I want to encourage you. Spend time in God's words. I know in our culture, you know, if you're not busy and productive, then you're not anything, right? You feel guilty stopping and taking time to hear God's voice, don't you? Like the list is swirling in your head, things that have to be done. Do it anyway. Because God can use you more when you are filled with his words and his spirit than you can ever be used on your own. No ability on your own will make you prosperous, but the spirit of God alive in you through his word will give you life and give you words and give you wisdom and help you see your way. Because otherwise you're just wandering in the dark. There's no flashlight. So get God's word in your life. Take it in. Now if you take that assignment from God, you're willing to say yes, and if you're willing to obey his instructions and meditate on them and let them become part of your life, say, okay, I I need the lamp. I need the light to show me the next step. You're willing to take those next steps. You might, you might know that you're going to run into a problem. The problem is that many assignments don't last for like a week, right? Like can't you be really enthusiastic some, for something for like a week? Like, oh, this is really great. I got this new job, and it's really fantastic. And about after a week or two weeks, you're pretty soon you're like, I hate my job. My boss is an idiot. My coworkers are stupid. Um, I, can't use, you know, I can't make phone calls. They're just they're ridiculous. i got to be there all the time. It's driving me crazy. Been there, right? Enthusiasm doesn't last for a long time. When God gives you an assignment, it usually lasts longer. And like for Joshua and the Israelites, this was like a 50-year assignment. Go take the promised land. It didn't happen in one week. I mean, I know you can read it in like an hour. It didn't happen in an hour. It happened in 50 years. So when you get an assignment from God, you're going to need more than just willingness. You're going to need more than just taking the next step because you're going to get discouraged and give up. You're going to need to build relationships with your spiritual family. So let's talk a little bit about what that means, what that looks like to build relationships with your spiritual family. God built every one of us, to enjoy relationship. God himself, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God himself by his very nature is relationship. Three persons of God in perfect relationship, one. By himself, he's not just one God. Like he's in, he is relationship, and he built you and me to be in relationship with him and relationship with each other. And that's what gives us life. We're often concerned about success, but God is concerned about relationships. He's concerned about you. And so Joshua knows that he can't do this assignment without his family, right? He he can't go in and win this land without his family. And so he rallies his family for battle. He says, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here, and you will go in and take possession of the land the Lord has given you for your own. Now, let's stop there for a second. because I want you to understand there were what was happening in this moment. There are 12 tribes of Israel, okay? First three tribes, they settle on the east of the Jordan, okay? So they're on the east side of the Jordan over here. Over here is Israel, like modern-day Israel. Over here is where they have to do battle. Over here is where they have to find a place to settle. These three tribes are done. Like, they're good. They're happy. Hey, we settled here. We got, we got life here. Everything's going good. I think it's reasonable, don't you, that God could probably win the land? face the battle with nine tribes. With Nine tribes minus those three, still God can probably do it. And yet, God gives Joshua the insight to know that this inheritance is for the whole family. And for the whole family to receive it, they must be involved in it. You must be involved in what God, the assignments in other people's lives. You have to be involved in other people's lives if you're to receive that full blessing of God. And so, Joshua says to the, Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh. He says, remember the mo- command that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, that you could settle here, that you can't just stay here while, uh, while your brothers are over there fighting. He says, all of your fighting men, fully armed, must cross ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest. This task was monumental that they faced Joshua said, you must help your brothers. You cannot sit over here on your laurels and just watch them do the job. You have to help your brothers. You have to build relationships and be brothers to them. Now in our spiritual family, you know, there's there's this times when Joshua, when he was calling out his spiritual family, he knew, I'm calling out your best warriors, right? I'm calling out those who are experienced, those who can train the young men who are following and teach them because they're experienced warriors. Those I'm going to call out those who are brothers and peers, those young warriors who have the energy and can fulfill it. And in our spiritual family, we have the same kind of thing going on, the same dynamic. God calls you out. Some of you might be early on your journey with Christ. You're, you're growing, you're interested, you're checking him out. And I want to encourage you to look for spiritual moms and dads, people who are experienced and ahead of you and say, listen, I need you to give me some guidance. Not be afraid to connect at daybreak and say, can you invest into me? I'd love to have your investment. Some of you need a brother or sister to come alongside you. Someone that you that can call you out when you get discouraged from that long assignment to say, listen, I know this assignment's long, but you can do it. I want to speak courage into you. I believe in you. I'm going to speak God's word into you. I'm going to call you when you're going off the path. Say, no, no, no. I think it's back this way. You need a brother or sister to help you get through that. And some of you, You've known Jesus long enough now, you need to be a spiritual parent. You need to be that spiritual father and mother. You've journeyed far enough with Christ now that it's time for you to turn around and to look for the people that are around you everywhere work, in your neighborhood, in your church and say, they need Jesus too. They need to experience the same life transformation that I have and have their life totally transformed. So I'm going to turn around and I'm going to give them what I have. Not because you're experienced. Because you're willing. Because you're enmeshed in God's word. Because now God can use you. I want you to hear the stories of uh, two people at Daybreak who, that's what they did, they just said, I'm willing. I'm I'm willing to be connected. And the life transformation that happened because of it.
1: My name is Angie Myers, and there is no doubt in my mind that God placed a daybreak mentor in my life at just the right time to help me give the courage to tackle some tough issues that I was facing. About a year ago, I shared my video testimony with you during our Healing Choices series about a difficult time in my life when my marriage was falling apart. Before this crisis, I became very good at pretending that I had it all together, putting up a front that everything was perfect really was just a mechanism that I was using to try to control my own life and to keep God and those around me at a distance. When my perfect life image was pulled out from under me, I knew that I had to depend on God in a way that I had never known before, and I knew that in order to move forward in a healthy way, I had to risk being vulnerable with trusted people around me. We had already been in marriage counseling for a few months at that point, but I needed more. I needed a woman who could come alongside me in this journey. And since God's timing is always perfect, a sign up for the next session of mentoring was in the scoop literally that next Sunday. So I was matched up with a mentor. And from the beginning, I sensed that God was going to use this one-on-one time that I spent with her in a big way in my life. Early in our session, when I was struggling to understand and work through some really painful areas in my past, just knowing that she was there to support me gave me the courage to continue to fight for my marriage and uh, to let God change me in some big ways. My mentor made me feel safe when I needed to open up about some really personal struggles in my life. It was so important that my mentor knew me, not the perfect version of me, but the real me. She needed to know my struggles so that that she could be praying for me and she needed to hear my victories, big or small, so that she could celebrate with me. It took courage to admit that my marriage wasn't what I had tried so hard for it to be and it took courage to hand over control and allow God to heal me um, in a way that only He can. My mentor helped me to be patient with myself and she reminded me that God often uses time in His healing process. She constantly encouraged me to grant myself grace when I felt short of my own expectations, which she can tell you happened a lot. And she even encouraged me to write my own story and then to share it with all of you now twice. And even though our mentorship time is technically over, I've told her so many times that she'll never be able to get rid of me. She is a lifelong mentor and a lifetime friend.
2: My name is Mark Shuey, and about three years ago, uh, almost by accident, uh, something occurred which had a profound impact upon my life. Uh, I signed up for the first men's frat course, which was called Authentic Manhood, and I had no idea how just this one simple act would affect me. Uh, My initial purpose, I've got to be honest, my initial purpose for signing up for this course was not to grow spiritually. It was basically a social purpose. I wanted to get to know some guys at daybreak or the men at daybreak a little bit better. Uh, You know, schedule some tea times, uh, you know, watch some football, eat some wings, whatever. Uh, But I had no idea how this step would go uh, beyond simply getting to know the guys. Um, I did get to know the guys, but on a much deeper level than I had ever imagined. Now, the the Daybreak uh, Men's Frat Authentic Manhood course forces some self-examination. And it also holds Jesus as the model for authentic manhood. So through the courses and through interaction with our small groups of guys who are taking the courses, uh, Daybreak's Men's Fraternity enabled me to realize several very, very important truths uh, one important truth was that society's confused and distorted view of manhood, which is presented to all of us every day, is not how God designed our role as men to be. Okay, and in order to counteract that, we must act courageously to go against our culture's current view, distorted view, of manhood. It's a false view, and I also learned that we must uh, we must do so not alone, but with like-minded men who pursue this same biblical view of manhood. And uh, you mentioned courage. Uh, I mentioned it here a moment ago. I I learned about courage three years ago. Um, I I learned that through taking this course, it takes courage to undergo an honest, sometimes painful self-examination of yourself, looking back from where you've come from. It takes courage to... uh, Uh, work on developing a a servant's heart in this very selfish, what's-in-it-for-me society. It it takes courage to love your wife, love your kids, love your friends in this age where everything seems to be disposable, even marriages and, and relationships. Now, My prime reason for joining Men's Frat back then was was fulfilled. Uh, The the relationships that I've forged through Men's Fraternity uh, have been a true, true blessing in my life. We continue to meet for breakfast um, every week, and this is long after the courses have ended. And these are not just superficial, you know, what do you think about the big game kind of conversations, although we do, you know, talk about that kind of stuff. But, you know, we talk about being better husbands, better fathers, better employees or employers, building our community. We talk about Scripture and how the Bible relates to our lives. You know, the Bible does say, iron sharpens iron. That is true, and it's essential. Now, God's view of manhood is authentic manhood. Not Hollywood's view, not Madison Avenue's view of manhood. They present a distorted view of manhood. God's view of manhood calls us to live courageously, accept responsibility, reject passivity, and we can expect God's greater reward. And that's what we strive for. So through God's view of authentic manhood, uh, our goal is to to change our lives and impact our homes and our community and our world. And certainly it it sounds like a a big task. It is big, but certainly not impossible. It's doable. But what it takes is courage. It's the courage to say, Despite what society tells you, count me in. It starts with me, that I want to be the man God wants me to be. Thank you.
0: Thanks, guys. Courage. Courage is something that you don't find in yourself. You find it in God. You find it in his presence, and you find it with other believers. Can you imagine what it would be like in your life if you were able to invest into someone else's life? Like you took the time to invest in whatever amount of grace and love and truth it meant to speak into their life, and they were transformed because of it. Can you imagine what it would be like if you were willing to be honest? Like you had some people around you that you could be like, here's the real me, here's the stuff that like, I don't think you're going to like me after I share this. And those people said, i got stuff like that too, and I'm going to be in this with you because we're going to follow God. We're going to accept our assignment, and we're going to follow God. We're going to allow God to transform us. Imagine the amount of transformation that happens like it did in Angie and Mark's life simply because they connected and they built relationships with each other. So how about you? When the bottom falls out, you have people like that that you can turn to. Do you... Are you willing to accept the assignments that God has for you and have courage just to say yes? All right, God, yes, I know what they are, and I'll accept it. What's God put down in front of you right now? And are you willing to spend the time in his word to be transformed by him, the time in Scripture to hold it up high in your life and give it the value it deserves as God's message for you, his intersection in your life? And now you're willing to have the courage to connect with someone else and let them see the real you. See if they don't accept you anyway and say, we'll go the journey together. Because everybody needs somebody like that in their life. So I want to pray over you. And when we're done praying, the worship team's going to come. They're going to sing a song called Courageous. And in, in, in Israel, they, I just want to read you this, this little piece of scripture here. Because in Israel, it's common to have this loyalty oath when the leadership torch was passed. And this is what the men of Israel said to Joshua after he called them out. He said, whatever you commanded us, we will do. Wherever you, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses, we'll obey you. Only may the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it. Whatever you may command them, will be put to death. So be strong and courageous. This is, Josh, this is these men saying to Joshua, listen, we're committed to be a family. We're committed to go the distance to each other. Will you let this song that's gonna worship team is going to play be your loyalty oath, your moment to say, God, I will be courageous. I will do what you ask me to do. Let me pray. Lord, I pray today that you would give us courage to be the kind of men and women that you have called us to be, to accept the assignments that you give us, whether that's to be a mom or a wife, whether it's to be a friend or a mentor whether it's to be a leader in our community, Lord, will you fill every woman's life here with your spirit? And may they be influencers on mission for you. I pray for every man that's here in his fatherhood and being a husband and being a a young man pursuing your assignments, will you give them the courage, the willingness to say, yes, I surrender. I will be in your word because I want to journey with you. Will you give them the courage, every man here the courage, to let another man know what's really going on in his life so that he can be transformed. I pray that your spirit would come and speak to us and would not let us alone, would never stop knocking on the door of our hearts, would never fail to leave us alone, to inspire us to courage, to say yes, to follow you. In Jesus' name.